0: Well, I'm super excited about our teaching for the month of July. This has become sort of an annual thing that we're doing and it's called Your Story Matters. It's this reminder that every single day we're writing part of our story. That every single week we're writing part of our stories. Every single month we're writing part of our story and our story keeps growing. Our story keeps being written. And in some ways, it's this reminder that one day somebody's going to tell the story of our life. One day there's going to be some sort of funeral. There's going to be people gathered around, and somebody is going to stand up, and they're going to talk about what we were known for. They're going to talk about what our hopes and dreams were. They're going to talk about what our hobbies were. They're going to talk about the things that we invested in. And so one day, if you fast forward, hopefully it's a long time from now, but if you fast forward, one day somebody's going to tell our story. One day, in my case, Laura's going to tell my story, my Friends are going to tell my story, right? Pastor Chuck's going to tell, some, somebody's going to tell my story. And so it's this reminder then, if one day somebody's going to tell my story, then it's this realization that I can actually write that story today. Does that make sense to you? That how you live today determines the stories that people tell about you tomorrow, how you live today. And I've, I've been to funerals that are great stories. I mean, several years ago, Rusty, I was thinking about your dad, even this week, Ben Thigpen and just the stories that come out of his life and the people that he impacted. Some, someday people are gonna tell our story and today we get to decide that today matters, that my life matters. The way that I lead people at work matters, and the way that you parent matters, and the way that you neighbor matters, and the way that you treat the people around you matters because every single day we're writing part of our story. And so, if one day people are going to tell our story, what would happen if we lived every day like today matters? What would happen if we lived like this week matters? What if we tried to live a better story? What if we tried to live? a better story. And what's funny is we like better stories. We like, like watching movies that are better stories. We like binge watching shows that have a better story. But sometimes this world lulls us to sleep where we just drift through life and it, and it sort of knocks off the edges of our story and we just get by. And so last week we talked about the big picture of this teaching for the month. And we talked about there's a shift that takes place when we quit living from event to event, from a transaction when it comes to our faith to living a a life that's a journey. And so if you missed last week, I would encourage you to go check it out. If for no other reason, that shift in thinking from event mentality to a journey mindset has been one of the, the biggest changes that has affected my walk personally. And so that's sort of the foundation. Today, I want to fast forward to the other end of the spectrum and talk about the idea that we're not home yet. And I'm going to be honest with you, I've been super excited about the teaching this month. In fact, next week is probably uh, one that could bring more fulfillment to people's life. What we're going to talk about next week, it could be the answer to a lot of frustration. It could be a way of finding fulfillment. So I'm really excited about that. The last week is going to be Really practical. I mean, it's, it, it could be the most practical teaching of the series. Honestly, today's message is the one that uh, I've been the most nervous about. Because if you're here last week, I mentioned that we're going to talk about heaven. And so the reason why we're talking about heaven today is a couple of reasons. One is because I said it publicly last week. <laughs> and that's why I said it publicly last week to hold my feet to the fire, because honestly, it's a little overwhelming. Where do you even start? What do you, I mean, there's so much we could say, Dominic, who was in the first service, messaged me on Facebook. He's like, we should do a whole series. I'm like, yes, we, we should. What was I thinking when I limited it to one message, right? So, so that's one reason, because I said publicly we were gonna do it. So I, it held me publicly accountable, right? A second reason why I wanted to do it is because literally I felt impressed to teach about heaven for a couple months now. I just have sense that it's something that God wanted me to do. I don't feel necessarily adequate to do it, but I've sense that it's something that we're meant to do. And a third reason why we're talking about it today is because there's a lot of misconceptions about heaven. I mean, you know that, right? There's a lot of misconceptions about heaven. Uh, One of those misconceptions is some people think heaven is boring. They think it's gonna be so boring. Why would I even wanna go there? We're just gonna be floating on clouds, playing our little harps, and I don't know how to play a harp, and there's gonna be a lot of singing, and I'm tone deaf, what am I gonna do, right? So that's a misconception. Another misconception is, well, this world is all there is, so it doesn't even exist. Another misconception is, well, everybody's going there anyway, so why does it even matter? And so today, I just want to remind us about this idea that we're not home yet. And here's what 1 Corinthians 2 and verse 9 says. It says, no, I has seen no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. Let me read that again. No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. So it's not boring. Um, it's, not, uh, it's not a place that doesn't exist. It's, it, this world is not all there is. It is a wonderful place. And here's why we're talking about in regards to your story matters. Because I believe that what you and I believe about heaven impacts the story we live today. What we believe about heaven or eternity or the afterlife, what we believe about the 30 seconds after we die, what we believe about heaven impacts the way that we live today. And the truth is, when we were singing the song, it sort of hit me, uh, during this gathering, just that there's this phrase that talks about the, the, the space between wearing thin. It's this idea we live in this tension of, of we know that there's something, there's got to be something more than, than this world, and yet we feel bound by all the drama that's in the life. We, we have the sense, the Bible says in Ecclesiastes, that God has placed the sense of eternity inside of us that we come into this world sensing there's something more, that there's something more than this. And yet we look around and the world beats us down and we live in this in-between. And so what I wanna do today is I wanna look at a few verses from Jesus's own mouth about how Jesus reminds us of the hope that we have. So if you have a Bible, if you have the Bible app, or if you wanna follow along on the screens, we're gonna be in John chapter 14 today. In John chapter 14, Jesus acknowledges the tension that we feel. Jesus acknowledges the the stress that we feel. Jesus speaks directly to this idea because in John chapter 14, Jesus has been saying over and over and over again to his disciples, one day I'm going to leave you. One day I'm going to go to the cross. One day I'm going to lay down my life for you. In fact, the background of John 14 is he has just gathered with his disciples for for one final uh, meal together. And he's taken the bread and he took the the drink and he said, this is my body that's broken for you. This is my blood that is shed for you. And he's telling them, look, I'm about to die. I'm on my way to the cross. I'm about to die for you. And they wrestled with it. They're like, well, what are you talking about, Jesus? In fact, Peter, one of the most vocal followers of Jesus, said, no, 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 Jesus, there's no way you can go to the cross. There's no way you're gonna lay down your life. I would go to the cross for you. And so there's this wrestling, and it's similar to the wrestling you and I feel when we have heartache and pain and we feel isolated. And yet the words that Jesus spoke to them, I think are words of comfort to us. The words that Jesus spoke remind us that we're not home yet. If you're a note taker and you've got one of the handouts today, let me give you some reminders that Jesus gave them. And the first reminder is this, number one, that death is real. Reminder number one is that death is real. Another way of saying this is life is short. See, one of the number one fears that we wrestle with, one of the number one anxieties that every single one of us has to deal with is that death is a real thing. It's this reminder that, that even the longest life is still short, that, that, that life is short, the longest life is still short. And so it's this reminder that today matters. So when Jesus is talking to the disciples, they had that same fear. They had the fear of death. They had the fear of losing their friend, Jesus. They had the fear of Jesus going to the cross. And listen to what Jesus says to them in John 14, verse one. He says, do not let your hearts be troubled. Do you see that? Do not let your hearts be troubled. Why are they troubled? Because they're facing the reality that death is coming. And Jesus is speaking to them. He's saying, don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and trust also in me. It's as if Jesus is helping them recalibrate. It's as if Jesus is helping them in this moment of despair. It's as if Jesus steps into the troubled situation and says, man, do not let your hearts become troubled. Well, that's a great word for us because so often our hearts become easily troubled. I mean, when I think about this room, I think about just the, the ways that our hearts have been troubled. If you've ever felt alone, your heart has been troubled. If you've ever felt lonely, you, you know what it means to have your heart troubled. If you, if you have a loved one that feels isolated and they feel all alone, you know what it means to have your heart troubled. If you've ever felt cut off from friends or cut off from family, you know what it means to have your heart troubled. If you've ever had mental pain, physical pain, emotional pain, you know what that feels like. If you've got a loved one that's facing the greatest unknown of their life, you know what that feels like. If you've got a loved one that's dying a slow death because of something like Alzheimer's, you know what that feels like. If you've ever felt like everybody has forgotten you and you feel hopeless for any reason, you know what it feels like for your heart to be troubled. And Jesus isn't discounting it. He's not just wiping it away. He's reminding us that we need to face it. Why would he do that? Because when you don't embrace it, when you don't accept it, it changes the way you live. But if you realize that this life is a gift, if you realize what scripture talks about, this, that this life is a miss, that we're here one day and gone the next, when you realize how short life really is, then you begin to take advantage of the life you have now. When you realize how short time is that we have left, you take more advantage of the time we have now. I think that's one of the reasons why in Psalms, Moses himself prayed, God, would you teach us to number our days? Because if you realize our days are numbered, our days are numbered, our days are, num- if you realize we don't know what the promise of tomorrow is yet. When you realize the only moment that exists right now, the past is behind me, the future isn't here yet. So all I have is now. I have now, that's why it's called the present, it's the gift of now. And so if I know that death is real and I know that life is short, then it changes the way I live now. And there's a couple of ways for us to do that. In fact, if you, don't, uh, if you listen to the weekday podcast this week, I'm gonna talk about two ways to help make sure we take advantage of every moment we have now. One is through what's called a life plan. It's this idea that we can fast forward and say, what do I wanna be known for? What do I wanna be remembered for? What do I care about? And then the second piece is to think about the life accounts we have in our life. So this reminder number one is that life is short, that death is real. Reminder number two, is that life on this earth is not all there is. So again, Jesus is talking to this real struggle. Jesus is talking to the real pain that they're feeling. Jesus speaking to this tension that they have of what's going on. He reminds them this life on earth is not all there is. He says in verse two, in my father's house. So he's alluding to something in the future. He's alluding to something. He's talking about something that right now, these disciples, these followers aren't listening. They're, They're not paying attention to. But Jesus says this in verse two, he says, in my father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you for I go to prepare a place for you. This is Jesus' way of saying, look, this earth is not all there is. This life that you have right now is not all there is. There's something more coming. And so there's a lot of ways you could describe it, but Jesus uses the term house, my father's house in verse two to describe it. And so here's what it reminds us of underneath that second reminder. A, it reminds us that heaven is a real place. It's not the figment of somebody's imagination. It wasn't something that some religious people just dreamed up just to give people a positive outlook. In fact, when you look at scripture, there's several pictures of what heaven is as a real place. Sometimes it's described as a kingdom, as an inheritance, as a country, as a city, and sometimes as a home, as Jesus does here. So A, it, it's a real place. B, it's a real place that is prepared by Jesus himself. Jesus himself, he says, and I go to prepare this place. When Jesus left this earth and returned back to heaven, he's been preparing our eternal home. He says, I go to prepare it. So it's not a figurative speech. It's not something that doesn't exist. This is Jesus saying, this is a real place. This is a real place that is prepared by Jesus himself. And then here's the third truth about it. Heaven is meant to be a home. I love how Jesus describes it. He could have described it a lot of ways, but he said, in my father's house. He uses the phrase, the home. In fact, he has the home and he talks about God as our father. In fact, I find it interesting in John 13, 14, 15, 16, and 17, in those five chapters alone, the word father is used 53 times. Jesus is reminding us that this earth is not all there is. What is it about home? I love that it's about home because home is where you belong, right? You, everybody's welcome. Home, home is where you belong. It's a, it's a place where you're welcome. Home is a place where you're most fully known. That's one of the reasons why the sign on the outside of our building says, welcome home, because we believe that that's the way heaven is. We want to try to as best as we can live that out on this earth to say, everybody's welcome here. Doesn't matter your background. Doesn't matter if you grew up in church, out of church, close to God, far away, that we're all accepted here to meet Jesus and to grow in him. In fact, I wrote down in my notes, a few things about heaven. One is that it's absent of evil and it's full of the presence of God. 1 Corinthians 13 teaches us that we will know one another and we will know and be loved in heaven. Revelation 22, as it describes heaven, reminds us that heaven will be unimaginable to our earthly eyes. Revelation 21, as John tries to describe it, it's like he runs out of metaphors. In heaven, we get to see Jesus face-to-face according to 1 John 3 and verse 2. In heaven, we'll have new and perfect bodies according to 1 Corinthians 15, 35 through 55, in heaven there'll be the absence of everything that's bad and painful and evil. It's the presence of everything that's good, holy and glorious according to Isaiah 65 and Revelation 21. And the biggest thing about it is that's where God is. So when you start thinking about this idea of Jesus providing comfort and Jesus providing motivation for the stories that we live today, he reminds us life is short, so live like today matters. This earth is not our home, so don't get too comfortable here that there is a future that's called heaven and it's gonna be a place that is unbelievable. There's not gonna be any death. There's not gonna be any sorrow. There's not gonna be any pain. There's not gonna be any night. There's not gonna be any fear. There's not gonna be anxiety. There's not gonna be those sleepless nights anymore. There's not gonna be any betrayal. There's not gonna be any abuse. There's not gonna be heartaches or divorce or disease or violence. There's not gonna be any more injustice or racism. There's not gonna be any more getting up in the middle of the night to use the bathroom. There's not gonna be any more close Parkers in the Kroger parking lot. There's not going to be any more carbs that cause you to get fat. Can I get an amen? Glory. (laughs) Amen. This world is not our home. So Jesus reminds us, number one, reminder number one, life is short. Life is short. Even the longest life is short. Make today matter. Number two, this earth is not all there is. Don't get too comfortable. Don't keep stockpiling stuff like this. This is not our ultimate home. Number three, reminder number three, a relationship with Jesus is essential. One of the misconceptions that people have is, well, every, if heaven exists and everybody's gonna end up there anywhere, but I love what happens. Jesus embraces this unknown. Jesus says to the disciples, you know where I'm going. And Thomas was honest. He was like, hey, we don't know how to get there. We don't know where you're going. And so Jesus answers him and says in verse 6, I am the way, I am the truth, I'm the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. One of the paraphrases of this verse, instead of saying I am the way, says I am the road. I love that. The, the path to relationship with our heavenly father, the path of having our sins forgiven, the path of spending eternity with him in heaven, is not, well, I'm gonna try to be a better person. The way to heaven is not, well, we're all gonna end up there anyway. The path to heaven is, well, I'm gonna try to be a better person. I'm gonna try to give more money. I'm gonna try to volunteer. All those things are fantastic. But what the Bible teaches is that heaven's not gonna be full of good people, but heaven is gonna be full of forgiven people. If we'd all be honest, we'd all have to say, you know what, I've got sin in my life. The Bible says in Romans 3, 23 and following, it says, for everyone has sinned. That's me, that's you, that's all of us. Let's watch it online. We've all sinned and we fall short of God's glorious standard. Yet God, verse 24, in his grace, freely makes us right in His sight. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty for our sins. Verse 25, for God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for our sins. So this reminder that Jesus gives us, he says, I am the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father, but through me. It's this reminder that a relationship with Jesus is essential. That's why when people ask us, well, what kind of church is Sugar Hill Church? We say, the Bible's a big deal and Jesus is the biggest deal. Because the one thing that determines where we go 30 seconds after we die is not, was I a good person? Not, did I have good intentions? Not, does God grade on a curve and I just have to be a little better than the person? Not, the thing that makes the difference is do we have a relationship with Jesus? Not just know about him in our head, but are we walking with him? Not just, well, I've been to church. No, 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 has my heart ever been changed? And this is a big deal because Pew Research shows that 72% of Americans believe in heaven, but they define it as a place where people who have led good lives are eternally rewarded. And man, it's just not true. Relationship is essential. In a hundred years, it's not going to matter. Did we have a huge house? In a hundred years, it's not going to matter what zip code we lived in. In a hundred years, it's not going to matter. Did we accumulate a lot of stuff? In a hundred years, the thing that's going to matter is, do I know him? Did I have a relationship with him? These are all reminders, right? Because what we believe about heaven impacts the way that we live today. And so Jesus reminds us, number one, that life is short, that death is real. Number two, that this earth is not all there is. So don't get so comfortable here. Number three, it's this reminder that relationship with him is the essential piece to all of this. And the final reminder, number four, is that he is coming again. Here's what he says as he's giving these words of comfort. He says in verse too, he says, in my father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you for I go to prepare a place for you, verse three. And if I go and prepare that place for you, listen to this promise, I will come again and I will receive you to myself, that where I am, that you may be also. This ought to impact the way that we live, that Jesus could show up at any moment. I believe that. I don't think there's any other prophecies that need to be filled. I I, I don't think there's some, Jesus could literally show up at any moment. And if I really believe that Jesus could show up at any moment, it changes the way I live now because I, I, I don't wanna have a bunch of junk in my life when he shows up. I don't want to have a lot of unconfessed sin in my life that hasn't been dealt with. I don't I don't want to have things that I'm ashamed of. When he shows up, it's going to be too late to, 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 to set all that stuff to the side. When he shows up, it's going to be too late to clean up my act. It's going to be too late to say I'm sorry. It's going to be too late for me to become a better husband. It's going to be too late to put aside those stupid sins that we hold on to. And that moment's going to be too late. If I believe he's coming again, then I ought to live in such a way that I'm prepared for that moment. So this is all about living a better story. This is all about saying, look, life is short. So I'm going to take advantage of what I have today. This earth is not my home. So I'm not going to get too comfortable here. Relationship with Jesus is essential. So if that's essential, I'm going to invest in that relationship every single day. I'm going to get into the word. I'm going to get into prayer. I'm going to say, I want to grow. I want to grow. I want to grow. Because ultimately I know he's coming again. He's coming again. And so I wanna live in such a way that He could show up at any moment and I would be ready. When I've been praying for this week for a while now, I was reminded of one of the most powerful funerals I've ever been to. A little over a year ago, um, my wife, Laura's, one of her granddad's passed away. His name was Don Eggle. For most of his life, he was a farmer in Nebraska. And then in the later years, he was a, an auctioneer, had his own auction house. And so just very cool stories. He was one of the, the biggest guys I've ever met, but he had an even bigger heart. And so we'd travel uh, usually once a year to go out and see he and the rest of the family. And I love being around him. I only knew him for a few, few years, not long enough, but I love being around him. He had such a great spirit. He had such a great countenance. He was in a lot of physical pain almost all the time, but he never complained. He never showed it. He never was mad or angry. He was just one of the lovingest guys I've ever seen. So even though he's a farmer and an auctioneer, he was a volunteer preacher as well. And one of the most powerful things that happened was at his funeral a little over a year ago, the pastor who was presiding over the funeral said, it's not often that somebody gets to preach their own funeral but today Don Eggle gets to speak into his funeral. And when I sat there in that funeral, they showed a clip of Don Eggle preaching and they showed one of these stories that just illustrates how we live in the tension of now and heaven. And it was such an impactful moment in my life. Instead of me trying to recreate it, I wanted to just let Don Egel, Laura's granddad, tell you it today. Check out the screens.
1: Theodore Roosevelt, who was a great avid hunter, and had gone to Africa many times on a safari, and had been well, had received many trophies that he had shot while on his safari. He had been on one of these great safaris and was on his way home. And when he got to the ship, they rolled out the red carpet for Teddy Roosevelt, And they had all the pomp and pride and all the music and all the hail and all the glory as he walked the gangplank to enter the ship. And when he got on the ship, he received everything from everybody, was willing to just be overboard in giving of all of this to him. At the same time that Teddy Roosevelt entered the ship, an old missionary who had been in Africa for years was returning home. When he got to the ship, no pomp, no pride, no sound. All alone, not recognized, he left his wife and two of his children in Africa in the mission field who had passed away and he was on his way home. went to his room by himself, and all the glory that Roosevelt had received on the ship. And then when they arrived in San Francisco, it was the same thing. They had rolled out the red carpet, and bands had played, and music had been given for Teddy Roosevelt. He was coming back home with his trophies that he had received. The missionary left the ship No one was there to greet him. No one seemed to recognize and no one seemed to care. And that day in his hotel room by himself, he got down and he prayed. Lord, I don't want to complain. I don't want to feel that I'm sorry for what I'd done and the service I had given the Lord, I don't quite understand. No one was here to greet me. No one seemed to care. No one recognized. And then it seemed that a hand laid upon his shoulder, and the message was given to him. My friend, you're not home yet. Friend, there may be some things in our lives today It may look as though the world is receiving all the glory, but just remember, we as Christians, we're not home yet. Someday we will receive that welcome home. Well done, thou good and faithful servant.
0: We're not home yet. We're not home yet. In The middle of the frustration, you're not home yet. In the middle of the brokenness, you're not home yet. In the middle of trying to keep up with the rat race. This earth is not your home. In the middle of silence, you're not home yet. In the middle of the frustrations, you're not home yet. In the middle of chronic pain, you're not home yet. In the middle of isolation, you're not home yet. There's a home and it's not this present earth. There's a savior that's bigger than whatever that thing is that makes us live smaller stories. And I love what Pastor Chuck says so often at home goings. He says, if there's anything I could say to you today, don't miss heaven. Don't act like today is all there is. Don't act like this earth is all there is. Don't act like you can do it later. Don't miss heaven. Can I pray for us this morning? Would you bow your heads for a moment and close your eyes? One action step for those that don't know Jesus is to to settle that today. Has there ever been a moment that you've put your trust in Him? Has there ever been a moment that you've asked Him to forgive you of your sins and to give you a brand new start? If not. That is hands down the most important thing that could happen today. You've heard the scripture, you've heard Grandpa Eggle. You don't necessarily need another sermon, another lesson, but just surrender. There's nothing magic about the words, but what is powerful is the heart behind it where you could pray along with me. I'm gonna pray out loud, you could pray silently in your head and your heart. You could pray something like, dear Jesus, I know that I am a sinner. And that my sin separates me from you. But I believe you died on the cross for my sins. And I believe you're alive today. And as best as I know how, I ask you to forgive me of my sins and save me. Help me to live for you. And if you pray that for the very first time, I'd love for you just to take one of the prayer request cards out of the seat pocket or drop us an email at prayer at sugarhillchurch.com and let us know, we'd love to help you as you walk in that new life. But to every believer in the house, maybe you wanna pray this part of the prayer with me, dear Jesus, thank you for the reminder that today really does matter. Thank you for the reminder that that discontent feeling I have about the world today reminds me that this is not my home. Jesus, would you help me to grow in my relationship with you? Help my relationship with you to be real and vital and not just something I give lip service to you. And God, help me to live in such a way that you could show up at any moment and I'd be ready. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen
2: let
0: i sing this out.
2: i can face to
0: Let's sing this out like we believe it this morning. Let's lift this up.
2: Because he lives, I can face t-
0: fast forward to Revelation 21, John, who had spent so much time with Jesus. He's the one that Jesus said, hey, I'm about to go to the cross, I'm about to return to heaven, take care of my mom. That same John, who was a best friend of Jesus. In his older years felt isolated. He was locked up in prison on an island far far from everybody else. And yet God visited with him and gave him this picture of what heaven's going to look like. There's no way I could describe it. There's no way one message could capture it. But I love what Revelation 21 says. It says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and he will be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death. There'll be no more mourning. There'll be no more crying and no more pain for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, "'I am making everything new.'" Those who are victorious will inherit all of this and I will be their God and they will be my children. What you believe about heaven impacts how you live today. What you believe about eternity ought to give us conviction, ought to give us hope and intentionality to say, today matters. Why? Because he lives. God bless you guys. I hope you have a wonderful week. We look forward to seeing you back here soon. Love you. Have a great rest of your Sunday.